Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. All right, we've got our regular hosts, Trish Dock and myself, Rob Kirkland. And today we have a special guest with us who is Tony Miglio from NKY Tutoring. And he is an expert in the ACT math section. So Tony, it's great to have you on the podcast here today. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. We've been wanting to get you on for some time here because the math section of the ACT is such an important part of the overall determining whether or not you get into a service academy or get an ROTC scholarship. This ACT math can range anywhere from, you know, 20 to 40% and usually more along the lines of 40% of the overall whole candidate score or total points for the scholarship come from this math score. And so what we've seen is candidates who can't do well on the, on the ACT math or the SAT math generally have much more difficulty getting into service academies or getting an ROTC scholarship. The ability to be able to raise their math score is crucial in uh, being able to reach their dream. Trish, you've seen the same thing with me with this. What might you add to that? I'm, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts, Tony, on ACT math as a specialist because it is the primary uh, category that when I'm working with students, I want them to keep testing over and over again, and, and they really get tired of it. I think kind of hitting home just the importance of that and the fact that they need to really focus and emphasize their ACT math. You really look at the super scoring. I mean, the academy is all super score. So you, know, you can take the, the ACT sections, the SAT sections made as many times as you want to increase your score. Now, some, you can even take an ACT test where you concentrate on the math section and maybe, you know, save your energy on other sections in order to raise that score up. I'd caveat that with the two ROTC scholarship programs that do best sitting are Air Force ROTC and Marine Corps option of the Navy ROTC are best sitting versus super score. But for the, but all the service academy super score and then Navy and Army ROTC super score. So you can take that test and even concentrate on the, on the math section. With that in mind, Tony, I know that you've worked with some people who are trying to get into service academies at ROTC. What's the difference you see between those students and and students that are going to normal civilian institutions? It's a great question. You know, I, I think the thing when, when I work with the students who plan on going to the service academies, the one thing I really see is their drive. Like, I, I feel like they have a concrete goal at the end, like, you know, talking to, to yourself, talking to Trish, like they know what they need to do and they they want to get there, right? So they're, they are driven to work and perform and do what needs to get there. I mean, it, it makes sense. Their, their mentality, they, they, to be in the service academies, you're going to have to work no matter what you do, right? So they kind of have that mentality already where they're, they're driven individuals. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I see between your standard student 
and students who want to go to, to the military. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have a formula. It's, a, it's almost a shake and bake formula for, you know, the service academies and ROTCs where they spell out that, hey, it's worth 40%. And so, you know, compared to, you know, perhaps uh, civilian universities where you're not sure how much the ACT counts. I mean, I guess it used to be in the past, you had a, a better idea of how much the ACT or the SAT was taken into account with the, the test. But I think these days, now that we have, you know, test blind, test optional, the test is looked at, but you're never really sure how much it's taken into account. I imagine right. these days, Tony, you just, you don't know how much it's worth. And, you know, and so that may then maybe perhaps not motivate the regular student as much, perhaps. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, that's really well said. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of the, the, your standard universities and colleges, like they are, they're, they are test optional. But when I tell parents, like they're test optional, but they're not test optional if you want merits, right? So if you want to, you know, kind of receive some type of scholarship, some merit money, schools want to see your scores, right? But if you're just trying to get admitted, not necessarily need scores, you know, depending upon what school you're looking at. But to your point, the service academies, it's, it's a really big thing. They, they want to see that you are a worker, that you're going to go and perform in, you know, a situation where, you know, standardized tests are scary for people, right? So they want to see you be able to perform in, in situations where it's a little nerve wracking. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than kind of what's going on in the normal population for, for schools. Yeah. And uh, before we continue on with kind of the, the, this, the service academy vein, I was just curious about this test optional and what's your thoughts these days on the way that schools view people or student applicants that are going test optional and they don't submit their, their scores. What's, what's, how are universities looking at that these days based on your experience? Here, here's the way I kind of explain it. So, so you know, if, if you and I, Rob are going for a job and we have to submit a drug test, you submit a drug test and I choose not to, that job knows more about you, right? So you're, you're more likely to get that job over me. If for some reason I decline not to do a drug test, why am I doing that, right? Why am I not submitting scores? What are you hiding? Yeah, I mean, it, it might not be that, right? I mean, but, but to a, a university like where one person has scores and the other person doesn't, it, it, it gives that perception. So that's the kind of way I, I, I explain it to people. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Tony, that during COVID, I mean, <clears throat> there was actually for the service academies and ROTCs, they, they held on to that SAT or ACT, like, I mean, like clawing, like on the, on the side of a cliff, they were unwilling to come off that SAT or ACT. And then I think like January or February of the, you know, the year that we really had COVID, which I think was 2021 that that spring of 2021, they finally relented and said, no, we're, well, we'll let you not take, do the ACT or SAT. But I mean, it was like at the last minute, yeah. you know, because so many students were unable to take this test, but the service cabins at ROTC there, it, it's going to, it's, I don't think they're going to be coming off this SAT or ACT. And, you know, it's I so think for the same thing you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you graduate with a Bachelor of Science in Engineering in, you know, humanities, 
there's so many engineering core classes, no matter which service academy you're attending, that they want to make sure you're going to be successful. And I think SAT math is a huge indicator. ACT math is a huge indicator of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Tony, let's let's go into your kind of approach. I mean, you've been, been extremely successful with raising ACT math scores, which is really, you know, one of the main reasons you're on this 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 podcast with us, just because of the success that we have seen with you, you know, with students that we've that, you know, that we've worked with. And so, in general, what's your philosophy when it comes to ACT? Great question. I, I think part of my success comes from my passion for what I'm doing. Like, I really love what I do. Like, I teach ACT math all day. People look at me like, you're crazy. But afterwards, love what I do. My, my approach is, and I, I, I talk to my parents, and I talk to my students. I'm like, I, I'm going to treat you like my own kids. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you where you need to be pushed. I'm going to, you know, encourage you where you need to be encouraged. I'm going to praise you for the work you've done. I'll let you know if you're not doing the work, right? I will be honest with you. I want you to be successful. The reason we're hanging out is I want you to be successful. So I, I set good expectations, I think, up front. I think that's a big part of being successful. And, and then I've, I've been doing this for about 15 years. So I, I don't have a cookie cutter approach. You know, if I were to work with the two of you, we're both talking about the same type of content, but Rob, I may be pushing you in one way and Trisha might be pushing you in a different way. Every student learns a little bit differently. So I, I kind of adjust my teaching style based on what the student. Um, I have a math degree. I have a psychology degree, which works really well for standardized stuff, in the way. So I, I'm constantly modifying my approach. Even within sessions, as I see a student perform in a certain way, I, I will kind of modify my approach to change it up a little bit on them, right? I'm what are some examples of how you have yeah. how you interact? So, you know, as you and I work, so let's say you're the student and, and we're working virtual. I'm a virtual tutor. I work with kids all over the country. Um, as you're working, Trish, I, like you're working, I'm kind of keeping an eye on you. Like I'm watching you for nonverbal feedback. Like, does she get it? Does she not get it? Man, she looks like she's really confused. Let me teach it in a different way that might be better for her, right? So I'm constantly monitoring for feedback, either positive or negative, so that I can make sure that when we leave our session that you're comfortable with what you've learned. As it gets scored back, so you come back and you do a test for me, and you're doing these really, really well, and you're doing these not so great. Let's do more of the stuff you're not great at, right? Let's, let's identify our weakness. Let's make that into a strength for us. So, and that changes. I mean, students, they've had different experiences with different teachers along the way. COVID didn't do anybody any favors either. So a lot of my students have really struggled with their math. I've never seen it worse. There's a ripple effect from COVID. So I kind of monitor like what, what, where are they good at? Where are they mad at? And, and where, where do they have those deficiencies? And we, we kind of address those. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, and what would you say, Tony, is, you know, kind of the biggest challenge for students on the ACT that you're seeing and, and what, and, and when do your students usually seek you out? I mean, I know that there's some philosophic ideas that you, you know, you could start even earlier, like freshman year or, or things like that. But what, what are you seeing as far as those two things, challenge and, and when students are trying to. Yeah, let me, let me speak the timing first. I think 
most students, so most students typically reach out to me sometime in their junior year. That's where things are starting to get a little bit more serious for them. Um, I'll be honest, if you've got Algebra 2 or the majority of Algebra 2 under your belt, it's fair game. You're pretty much ready. I usually encourage students like between sophomore and junior years where it's a good time if you've been out to do. But it depends on, you know, a lot of, a lot of my students play sports. So off, off season is a good time to test. What you don't want to wait and, and, and it happens a lot is I have a lot of people who don't start until senior year. And you've probably seen this too. And it's like, they're really, really scrambling at that point. So that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways. You want to start early, especially in the world of super scoring. They, there's no downside to super scoring. Why not? Other than having to sit for the test, you have more opportunities to raise your score and present a better score to the service academies. Like you should do that. Absolutely. Are you seeing Tony like atrophy because, you know, you've got juniors and seniors taking pre-calculus and calculus that has very little to do with some of the things that they were doing earlier that where they would have success on the S on the ACT. Is, is there any uh, truth to that? Uh, they're just advanced beyond it. And, and now they're, they're tackling things that don't have any applicability to the ACT math. So yeah, you had mentioned like the biggest challenges. I, I think that's one of the two that I would mention. You've got these kids who are, who are juniors or seniors, right? And they're like, tell me what you did back in sixth grade. These four kids have like, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday. What I do in math in sixth grade, I don't know. So you have these kids. I mean, usually they're typical easy concepts, but if you haven't done it for half of a decade, it's really easy to give those points away. So that's one thing I actually provide kids with a study guide and, and we, we spend usually the first, maybe the second session, depending upon their, their skill level, really laying the foundation. And as we go through there, so there's a lot of, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. Like it's kind of bringing it back to the forefront because they are, they're in pre-calc, they're in calculus. And they're like, tell me what you did back in, in pre-algebra. Like, yeah, I don't remember that. But I think that's a big challenge. Kids have to study. ACT math is the section you have to study for. English, reading, science, like they're not asking about books that you read in, in, you know, in school or what you did in biology class. But math is like, tell me about the formula for the area of a circle. And if you know that formula, you can set the problem up. If you don't know that formula, you're guessing, right? You have no chance. So there's a lot of study. And that, that's a big thing because a lot of the stuff their kids are rusty on. The second thing I think is probably the biggest issue for most of my kids is timing. ACT math is a really quick test. I'd say probably about a third of my kids really struggle to get done in the time frame that they have. So I work a lot with students on timing and painting, trying to find the ideal way for them to answer as many questions as possible. I think I alluded to you, Rob, I, like I had created a calculator course Sounds so bizarre. So I worked with one of my colleagues. We created an online calculator course, literally, on how to use your calculator for the ACT. And it just, it helps these kids be way more efficient, way more proficient, so they can get done quickly. And now they have more time to do more difficult problems at the end of the test. So we've seen a lot of growth coming from that as well. Trying to address the two biggest needs, and that really is content. And then just the timing of the test. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So if you're just preparing on your own and you're working through these problems at a normal rate or, you know, at a, and, and you're going, oh, I can do all these questions. It looks like you've got to do it with, uh, under time conditions because it, I imagine that just changes the whole way that the, the test feels. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And kind of Trish, you, you mentioned before, 
how do I change it up? So for example, a student might work through a problem and they got the right answer, but what happened is they took a really long path to get there. Hey, let me show you a better or a faster way, which will let you get the same answer, the right answer, but now we've saved 30 seconds that we can use for harder problems later. So we're trying to be mindful of stuff like that. And re regarding the timing, what would you say if you had to kind of give an average for how, how much time students should be spending on each problem? What's, what's the rule of thumb for pacing? So the, the test has 60 questions and has 60 minutes. So you would say, yeah, a minute per problem. But the way that the ACT math is structured, so, so typically the way that I talk to it, the, the first 20 questions are kind of your, your questions. The middle 20 are usually the medium ones. And then by the time you get to the last 20, they're hard. Some of those are hard for me. So even though it's, it, it's a minute per problem, you really aren't doing that. Like usually the first 20, most kids who are scoring in the 30s are somewhere around 15 minutes, 20 minutes in kind of the middle part, and then kind of leaving like 25 on the back end to really deep dive into those harder problems. So it's kind of structured based upon that. I love the math test in that sense. You can really focus like 40 questions. That's for 40 questions. That's a 27 on test. You can get 27 on the ACT math section and not even do the last 20 questions. Like, wow. I mean, you, you should do the last 20 questions, but it's nice to know you don't have to fly through this thing. You want to make sure you set that foundation. So, so it's weird. We work a lot on timing and pace, and that's such a big thing for students. I think it's the biggest driver for like, like test anxiety. Like if, if you take away the test, like timing structure, students are okay. But once you add that clock to it, people kind of freak out. So we, we have to address that pretty, pretty significantly usually. Uh, Tony, I wish I had you when I was doing these tests. I don't remember really doing any sort of timing other than on my own. And, you know, there was none. There was none. Yeah. Even for me. I mean, there was, you just showed up and took it. Right. So, yeah. Or yeah. Or yeah, it was just, it seems like the preparation, you know, way back when was, you know, either not very good or, you know, you just read a book, something like that. But Well, and I think as, as more schools and universities have, have put more weight and emphasis on it, people have kind of like gravitated, like, let's find a way to make sure that we can raise scores and help students. We've talked a lot about the students. Where do, where do parents roll? Where does their role fall into this? Yeah, you know, it, it's for first time parents, like this is my first kid. It's it's daunting. It's kind of scary. Like I remember when I like Rob, you alluded to us taking a test and it was you just showed up and took it. Now there's such a big difference, right? Like I've got three kids. My my two oldest have graduated college. My youngest is still there. But but that process from high school and even into college is is pretty daunting, to be honest. When I would tell students, or not tell students, but I'd tell parents, start early. Right. You, you want to be ahead of the curve. A lot of times when I talk to parents, they will admit to, oh, my gosh, my kid's a senior. As time got past me and here we are. Yeah. Like high school flies by. Right. So so you want to be mindful of time. I would start early and then really talk to people. Right. I mean, talk to people, whether that's your guidance counselor, individuals like yourselves, tutors, whoever. Yeah. Seek out experts in the industry, right? I mean, you could talk to me. You don't have to hire me, but you could talk to me and ask me lots of questions. I'm, I'm fair game all the time. But, but do your research, start early, talk to people, kind of learn, right? 
because it is kind of overwhelming, don't be afraid to ask for help. That's, that's the big thing. Obviously, we're talking to you because you're an expert on ACT math. And I don't want you to throw your fellow colleagues under the bus here, but what do you see as kind of the downside of some of some other preparation services? And and I and I can sit, tell you from my point, you know, when I look at some of them, what I see is, you know, they're a jack of all trades and a master of none. Is my gut right in in saying that you need to hone in and find a person who's an expert in a particular area to really get the preparation needed? I mean, I, I think it's fair now, now to be fair to my colleagues. There's a lot of people. So like, don't fake, make fun of me, but like I'm in a big tutor group with tutors around the country. There are some really, really smart individuals who are experts in all four sections. And they're just amazing. They're, they're overwhelmingly smart. And that's not me. Like there, there's a reason I teach math and it's not because I like math the most. I mean, I do. But you, you don't want me teaching the other sections. Like, I'm going to bring your score down if you work with me. So I, I think I'm doing math because I have to do math. But, but I love it, right? And, and, and there's a passion for me. If, if I had to do English or reading every day, sorry, English and reading tutors, like, I would go crazy. Like, I just couldn't do it. So I, I don't want to. It really depends on who you hire, right? There's a lot of individuals who are out there who are really, really good. All the way around, there's some people who are like me who are a little bit more niche, right? And that that's cool too. I, I think you want someone who is going to treat your your kid the right way. They're going to put them. They're good communicators with both the students and the parents if need be, and they're adaptable. Like teenage kids are, are busy, right? Their lives change by the by the second. So being able to be a flexible person as a tutor, but also adaptable style is really important. Like what drives a student one day may change tomorrow and, and recognizing that because at the end of the day, it's, it's finding the thing, the impetus that's going to drive them to success. Like what's their stake in the game, right? Thinking ACT math is not super fun or exciting. What is the end goal? Where are we trying to get to? And using that as leverage with them bought in to kind of make that. So, I mean, you can get good experiences or bad experiences with, with tutors around the country. You just kind of got to know. I, I think talking to other parents who've like worked with a tutor, talking with students who've worked with them, because if you go to a website, like, of course, I'm going to say I'm the best tutor out there, right? But, but talking to a parent or a, a student to get some real feedback, I think is probably really important. So as parents do their research, that's a really smart thing to do too. Well, I mean, I, and I have a perfect example of with one of our clients this year who uh, was working with a different tutor and not making any progress on his ACT math score. I think he had a 27 and he worked with you for a few months and then just the most recent test came back and he raised it to a 32. So yes, thank I you for your that. effort. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that, you know, it, it depends. I mean, why, why didn't he move with the other tutor? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I try to find a way to click with these kids. Um, to be fair, math ACT is a stubborn test. Um, it's the one that typically moves a little bit slower than the others because you have to study. You've got to put work in. If you don't put work in, it's just not going to move. The other part is really just the mental part of it, right? So... 
we really haven't hit on that a whole lot, but but test anxiety and self-confidence is a big, big thing. And a lot of kids, especially with math, that's an issue. And standardized tests, that's an issue. You add those two together and, and kids really struggle sometimes. So one thing I really try to do on my side is, is build up that confidence, give them little wins and more wins and more wins and getting to them where they feel comfortable. And all of a sudden, they, you know, they, they, they bought in a little bit, right? The calculator class, again, is another thing that helps it because it's not a crutch per se, but if you've got about a third of the test you can do on the ACT calculator, that makes students feel a little bit more comfortable too, so. Yeah, uh, that's great. I mean, and, and you mentioned talking about, about the stubbornness. Let me throw out a scenario to you. We have one where uh, a scenario that Trish talked about, I think that is tailor-made to you, someone who's maybe got higher scores on the, uh, say, the ACT English and Reading and Science, but is lower on the ACT math and just needs to improve the ACT math, they come to you. But let me throw out this scenario to you. Let's say you've got somebody who's got, say, a 28 ACT across the board with all four tests around 27, 28, and they're seniors and they only got a couple of tests remaining. Where should they concentrate their efforts? Is I, I've talked to some educational experts who tell me that if you really concentrate on the ACT math that you can and just focus on that only that that's the score that could, could raise you up. It, does that make sense or is that, or is that not what you're? No, that, I, I think it depends on, are you, are you going to a service academy or are you going to a normal university, right? If, if you're, if you have 28 across the board for a normal university, I would say English and reading are typically the ones that move the fastest. And, and that's, and that's, that's good because that's 50% of the tests, two of the four tests, right? If you do math, even if we bring math up, like we did at 27 to 32, that's five total points. But if you average it across, it's really like raising your composite one point, right? So even though math went up significantly, it doesn't move your composite a whole lot. But when you have someone like the service academy where math is such heavily weighted, you kind of want to give some love and attention to the math section, right? So I, I think that that's the difference. If you're a traditional university, I would say English math, English reading is probably the, the, the ones that move and will make the biggest impact. But for someone who's going to service where math is so heavily weighted, they really, really look at that. I'd say it's probably math. Well, that's great. Uh, it's really a good uh, insight, Tony, on that. One other things haven't we mentioned that, we perhaps haven't asked you. Just like with, with parents, right? Starting early. I, I think it's important for, for students to, they, they want to start early. Like if we're going to do math prep, feel to me, like if they're going to a service academy, it's very similar. Like if you're going to be doing and being asked to do push-ups and pull-ups, like you should be doing push-ups and pull-ups before you get there, before you walk in the door, right? You want to build up those, those muscles and be prepared. You're going to be doing things on the ACT math test that you need, you know, you need to do. You want to start early. You want to start building up that, that mental muscle, right. And preparing as much as you can, because the test is so quick, the, the more that students can do problems and it become more like muscle memory, they can now work more efficiently which allows them more time to do the harder problems, right? 
So I, I think just being consistent with your practice is a really important thing to do. And I say that there's lots of things that I should be doing daily that I, I, I tell myself, I'm going to do this today and I don't do it, right? <laughs> Studying math equations, probably not on the top of people's list, but it does make, it, it makes a really big impact for success on the test. And it's so crucial too, when you look at the timeline between traditional civilian colleges and service academies, because really the first opportunity that the service academies start looking at you really August, August of your senior year of high school. So that's a lot sooner than the traditional timeline. So, I mean, when you're Absolutely. talking about practicing, you have to pull that timeline and really junior year, even sophomore year becomes pretty critical. Yeah, you guys have kind of an accelerated timeline. So starting early is probably even more relevant to, to your listeners. Great, great point, Tony. Well, Tony, thanks so much for uh, coming on today. Uh, if uh, if uh, anybody listening to this podcast wants to reach out to you, what's what's the best way to do that? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways it could get me. So my website is just NKY is in Northern Kentucky. It's where I'm, I'm stationed. So nkytutoring.com. Email address is just nkytutoring at gmail.com. So you could, you could check out my website. You can email me. I'm very easy on the phone. You can call me too. You can text me. I will pick up pretty much any time unless I'm with students, then I'll call you right back. So I, I'm, I try to be quick responding um, because I know parents are always looking for, for quick assistance. To summarize kind of what we talked about today, you know, the, the ACT mass score is heavily weighted on for service academies and ROTC scholarships. Therefore, that means that you need that that candidates need to concentrate on that section in order to ensure they get into a service academy or get that ROTC scholarship. That there are certain techniques that you can do in order to do well on this test, including making sure that you know what the amount of time you need to take on the test, to practice test problems in order to kind of work that muscle memory. Starting early, sophomore, freshman, sophomore year is, is, is not too early to take this test. And also to get specialized help to overcome perhaps some blocks uh, that you may have. People like you, Tony, would be a great person to go to to try to see where those are and try to work through them. There's as much of a psychological component to it as it is actually right. doing the problems themselves. And then parents get involved and support your uh, kids in this and realize that the sooner they start, the better. We thank you very much, Tony, for being with us. And uh, we look forward to continuing to recommend candidates to you here in the future. Yeah, thank you so much again for letting me be here. And like I said, thanks for the relationship we already have, kind of sharing students back and forth. And I'm happy to support you guys and your endeavors as we move forward. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care, and we'll see you next time.